Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Brawley, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org, or simply download the CCCIV app, you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977 we're now in the church of laodicea which is the church of apostasy this is the church that isn't faithful this is the church that's falling away we believe this started in the 1900s to the present and it's going to continue until jesus returns. Now, when people hear the word apostasy, they say, what does that mean? And apostasy can be defined as the departure from the truth that one professed to have. It's a departure from the truth that one professed to have. It doesn't mean that they actually possess the truth, but they profess to have it, okay? Apostasy is a departure of that. In other words, whether they really truly knew the Lord, they still you know, stood to the virgin birth, the, the atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross, the, the resurrection, the day of Pentecost, the birth of the church. There are certain things that happen and are significantly doctrinally, but in these last days, they're going to depart from that. They're no longer going to, to, to buy into that. They're no longer going to hold to the, the word of God. And so the roots of the present age of apostasy really began in Europe with the German rationalism where the inerrancy of scriptures was denied. There was this moment in uh, German history where they, in, in Europe, they began to deny that the scriptures were flawless and without error. And that began a movement of apostasy because once you depart from the word of God and the authority of God's word, you're off the deep end. You have nothing you can hang your hat on. I don't care what anybody says. Ah, well, we don't really believe in creation. We believe in evolution and this thing. Why can't they just mix together? I'll tell you why they can't mix together. Who in the world are you to say that God didn't create it, number one? But number two, if you believe in evolution, that is a direct affront to God on his creation in chapter 1. The very first verses of the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Do you realize that? So if you deny that, you may as well throw the rest of the book out the window because now you're going to pick and choose. This is why the school system has been so tragic in dismantling the faith of our loved ones. Okay, so it begins in Europe uh, the denial of the um, inerrancy of Scripture. But in the U.S., the table was set for apostasy on January 20th, 1891. Now listen to this. On that day, a man named Charles Augustus Briggs gave his inaugural address at the Union Theological Seminary in New York City. In fact, it, it was a Presbyterian seminary. And in that address, Briggs said, there are three great fountains of truth. The Bible, 
the church and reason. The tr- in that address, the church and reason became equal with the authority of God's word. And that is wrong because human reason has to bow to the authority of Scripture, and so does the leadership of the church. The church has no right to put itself on an equal basis with the authority of God's Word. We unfold God's Word, we preach God's Word, we disciple people with God's Word, we live by God's Word, but we do not say the church is on the equal authority as God's Word. But he did. And when he did that, that started to dismantle what you and I would call conservative Christianity, that all of a sudden now the church can say things that are contrary to the Scriptures. That all of a sudden now somebody who's got 10 degrees can now say, oh, that doesn't add up. So this is what we believe. And even though it's contrary to Scripture, it doesn't matter because human reason now is on the same level as the authority of... And this is what gives way to the weirdest interpretations that you ever see out there. And this is, this is b- the beginning of the apostasy that you see in the United States. In fact, this man who gave this address, Briggs who gave this address, he was actually excommunicated from the Presbyterian Fellowship for what he said, but the damage had already been done, and now church or seminaries throughout the country started populating their, their, their schools, their seminaries, with professors that didn't believe that God's word was inerrant. And the absolute rule. And that's why you've got people today in churches that will listen to sermons and they'll pick and choose what to apply in their lives. So you've got the apostasy, which is this seventh church, historically, until Christ comes back with the rapture. Now I want you to see the problem. I want you to see the problem with the church in Laodicea. The primary problem with the church in Laodicea is the same one that was in the temple. They kicked Jesus out of the house. Look at verse 20, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and he with him and, and he with me. The church, Jesus is outside. What a tragic statement that is. I mean, we know that the church is bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, don't we? We know that it belongs to Jesus, right? He bought and paid for it in full. Let me ask you a question. How would you like it if someone came and kicked you out of your house? But that's what they do, and that's the primary problem. Now, I want you to understand that Laodicea, that word means the people rule. Uh, In fact, William Newell, in his work on the book of Revelation, he says this. The name comes from Laos, meaning L-A-O-S, meaning people, and dikeo, to rule, the rule of the people, the rule of the people. In other words, God isn't ruling the church in Laodicea. The people are. The spiritual leadership isn't directing the people. There is no spiritual leadership. It's ruled by the flesh. It's ruled by men. The direction that the church is going is nothing to do with the Word of God because Jesus isn't involved. God isn't involved in it. The people rule. That's what the church is going to be in the last days. It's going to be ruled by people. The more we get man-centered 
the more, the less we become Christ-centered. Do you realize that? And the church always seeps up what the culture is unless the leadership will stand against it and say, we do not let you in the front doors because Jesus lives here. All right, so whatever the culture's going on out there, I don't care how popular it is and everything else, if it contradicts the word of God, it's not allowed to be in this church. The people rule. This is why you have hard, you know, you mentioned something like church discipline. I was in a conversation with somebody the other day and I said, you know, the church is supposed to exercise church discipline. Do you not know that? They'd never heard of it before, and they'd been in church for years. I said, you never heard of that? He said, no, we'd never heard. I said, we've actually had to come to the point at Christ Community. It's very rare, but we've had to disfellowship people that were unrepentant sinners and refused to get right because it was starting to affect other lives. And they're like, are you out of your mind? No, that's what the Bible says. It gives specific instructions in places like 1 Corinthians 5. Do you not read the Bible? So when you exercise discipline on somebody today, you call them into the office or you go to their house to try and bring them back and you exercise discipline, many of them are like a rebellious, spoiled child. They spit in your face and they say, I'll just go down the church down the street. Why? Because the people are ruling. That's not what church is. The word disciple comes from discipline. You have to decide whether you want to be in a church to be discipled or, or, or you want to be just attending on Sunday morning somewhere, not do church, not do life the way he drew it out. That's the decision that needs to be made. But God forbid us if we ever become this church. That's why in 1 Peter 5, there's a shepherd, the great shepherd he's called, and all of us pastors are merely under shepherds. We don't rule this church by man's wisdom. We want God to run the show. So there's the primary problem in this church. It's great for a democracy when you're in a country. It's great that the United States is a democracy, but that's not the church. The church is not a democracy. Church is not led by the congregation. According to the Scriptures, the church is led by spiritual leaders that God appoints. And according to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, it says, you're supposed to obey those who, who rule over you, for they must give an account of your soul one day. Uh, there, that's a whole new level, man. I don't mind giving an account to God on my finances. I don't mind giving an account to God on my time, but man, to give an account to God for somebody else's soul that we oversee? Now you know why we do some of the stuff we do that other churches don't. This is not a playpen. This isn't the Rotary Club. This isn't the Kiwanis. This is the living church that Jesus bought with his own blood and expects us to have a reverence towards him. Amen? Amen? Okay, I want you to see the description of Jesus that's given here in verse 14 because he talks about Laodicea church, right? Meaning church ruled by the people. But look at, here's a description of Jesus that's in contradiction to what this church is. First, 
It says the words of the amen. He refers to himself as the amen. In other words, amen means it is certain, it is true. He guarantees all that he says. That's why that amen is there. He's not like people that drop or back up on their words or change their mind. No, he always does what he says. Then he's also referring to himself as the faithful. Look at that. The faithful and true witness. Faithful means trustworthy. He is the only one that will never let you down, you guys. He is the one that is perfectly faithful. John 1, 3, or John, uh, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, this is what I love, one of my favorite verses. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I know that my sins are cleansed because Jesus said it. Okay, he's the true witness. He's, he's the, 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 the true witness. He's, he's not only just faithful, but he's the true witness. John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says he's the truth, and he's the true witness too. In direct contrast or contradiction to what this church is here, they are not a faithful witness. They are not a true witness. They're just something called the church gathering of people. And then he's also the originator, the source or rule of creation. We see that at the end where it says the beginning of God's creation. Uh, you need to understand that the Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons use this as a proof text to say that, uh, see, Jesus was created. That's not what that text uh, means. The word beginning in the Greek is archaea, meaning ruler or first over. So, so the proper translation is he's the originator of all creation, the source or rule of creation. And you have to understand that because that scene in John chapter 1, verse 3, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Colossians 1, 15 to 16, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Firstborn, meaning that the firstborn was the ruler in that uh, culture. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Now, here's my tidbit on why they're so wrong. There's not one thing that God ever created that has the ability to create something out of nothing. Nothing. No angel could ever create. Only God can create out of nothing. And so there is an endorsement on his deity uh, there. Now, here's what I want you to see in this church as, as we jump into, and I'll move through this fast, okay? So just hang with me for a moment, please. You need to hear this. This is the one church that has no commendation, only condemnation. In each of the other six churches, Jesus commends them for something. All the six churches, he says, look, even though I've got this against you, this is what's good about you. There's not one word of commendation. It's the only church. This is now moving towards the end times because they're going to be a faithless church. They're not going to be a true witness. They're going to be a false witness. They're not going to live their lives for the Lord. They're just going to say, we are church, but we really run ourselves. Now, watch Jesus' rebuke and his response in verses 15 to 16. I know your works. Listen to me. You can fool some of the people some of the time, 
or all of the people all the time. I forget how that saying goes. You could not fool Jesus any of the time because Jesus knows our works. Not only that, he knows our hearts. Do you realize in like John's gospel, chapter two, you know, people are wanting to follow Jesus, but it says Jesus did not entrust himself to them because he knew what was in all men. He knows the hearts. He knows why you do what you do and do things. This is one of the most encouraging things. This is one of the things that makes me, Lord, I want to be transparent with you. I, I, I don't want to, I know you know. I can't game you. I snowed my wife for a few years, but I can't snow you. He knows your works. And so here's a church, imagine, here's a church, they're gathering, that, right? They're, ga- they're singing songs, everything. they're doing what churches do. And Jesus comes in, and even though other people would come in and say, wow, what a church. Wow, this is amazing. Jesus says, you can fool them, but I know your works. I know your works, you are neither cold nor hot. I would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. He uses a metaphor that they can relate to in that day. If it was a farming analogy, it would look a little bit different, but because water was such an important thing in that region, and there were different kinds of water. So when you went up to Hierapolis, which was six miles away, we've been there when we go to Turkey. We went to the seven churches, and we saw uh, Hierapolis. Hierapolis isn't one of the seven listed here, but it was in the, the, the area of Laodicea, and you could see it from standing on Laodicea and the ruins there. You could see Hierapolis, and Hierapolis was known for its hot water. People would go there and they would, they would sit in the hot springs and it was medicinal. Um, there's always good that you can find in hot water. But then in the region too was Colossae. Colossae was known for its refreshing and cool water. And, and, and Laodicea didn't have either. They didn't have the, the hot water that was good medicinally and good for other purposes. They didn't have the cold water. The Colossi did, you know why? Because they picked the building of their city, not because of a water source, but because of the crossroads and the trade routes to purposely get rich. So you had to pipe the water in from Colossi. And there was a, a pipeline that would bring the water in. And by the time it got to Colossi, it was lukewarm. It wasn't cool. Have you ever, like on a hot day, And when we were there, it was very hot that day. We were standing out there. It was very hot. Have you ever on a hot day, somebody say, here, take a drink of water, and you drink it, and it's like, man, it's lukewarm. There's nothing good about it. At least hot water, there's something good you could do, right? You do your laundry. You can make tea. You can make coffee. Things like cold water is refreshing. But what do you do with lukewarm water? And Jesus says, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Some people, churches, make Jesus weep. Some churches make Jesus sad. But the church in Laodicea makes him sick. He says, I'll spit you out of my mouth. 
this is hard, but I didn't say it. He did. This is not coming from me. This is coming from him, and I'm not going to skate over this because I got to answer to him one day. So there's two views, right? So the, concerning the lukewarm. When, when he's speaking of hot, he's speaking of those people that know the Lord, who have fervency for the Lord, who are zealous for the Lord, who, who would um, be, you know, hungry for church, hungry for Bible, hungry for prayer, hungry for the things of God. Those are hot. The cold are the people that would say, you know, we don't care about Christ. We don't, you know, we reject what you say. We don't even believe in him. Well, who's the lukewarm? Well, the lukewarm are those who would say that we, we love Jesus, but they don't live for him. Now, there's two views concerning this. One view is that these people aren't even saved, that they only profess Christ, and they're more like the guys in Matthew chapter 7 where it says, on that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. These weren't people that were saved and could lose their salvation. You can't. Jesus said, I never knew you. Not I once knew you, and now I don't know you. He never knew you, even though they were casting out demons in his name. That's one view that they're never saved. The, the next view is that they are saved because he's speaking to a church. As you see in verse 14, a church literally by definition is called out once for him. Uh, if you read down, he says, those whom I love in verse 19, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. So I would probably fall in that category believing that these are believers, but they're, they're carnal Christians like in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians was all written um, with the theme, correction for a carnal church. So there is the possibility of, you know, hey, I, I know Jesus, but you don't do anything. And so what Jesus is saying here, these people become useless to the Lord. He spits them out of their mouth trying to drive home his point. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 5 when he was preaching the Sermon on the Mount? What did he say the believers were? He said this, I think it's on the screen. Verse 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. In other words, if salt loses its saltiness, it isn't good. We're right, Christians are seasoners. We season the world. Christians are preservers. They use salt in that day to preserve meat and stuff. So, so if it loses its saltiness, it's no good, he says. Be like, you know, uh, eating frog legs. How many have ever eaten frog legs? Right? They say it tastes like chicken, huh? They, you, you ever go frogging and it tastes like chicken? But, but so you put salt on it. And what if there was no saltiness to the salt? You just keep salting it and still tastes the same. It's no good. It's useless. And that's what Jesus is saying here, that the church in Laodicea, because of their spiritual condition, are absolutely useless to him. So that was his response. I will spit you out of my mouth. You've got a rebuke, he says. And then a response, I will spit you out of my mouth. And he doesn't stop there. This is what I want you to see this morning. That 
Jesus gives the characteristics of this church. One, they are self-satisfied. Look at verse 17. For you say, I am rich. I have prospered and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. So I want to focus on that verse to show their condition to you. One, they're self-satisfied. They say, Jesus says, for you say. Now, there's another hint there. Jesus doesn't say they're rich. They say they're rich. He says, you say, I am rich and have prospered. Their satisfaction comes from the material things of the world, not the bread of life. Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Raleigh, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org or simply download the cccib app you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977